0: Welcome to the Fire and Bones podcast. I'm Michael Crosswhite, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama.
1: And I am Nathan Loudon, the pastor of Millwood Baptist Church in Austin,
0: Texas. Follow the podcast, rate it. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I've, I've taught through Revelation probably three times now. And uh, every time I've told the, the people that I was teaching that I don't want to take the Bible literally. I want to take the Bible as the author meant it to be taken. So that, right. that changes depending on the book that I'm in. You know, that changes depending on the sentence that I'm in. When John the Baptist is standing in the river, in the Jordan River, baptizing, he says be, he looks at Jesus and he says, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world." He doesn't want anybody there to take him literally. He wants everyone there to understand what he's saying theologically. That, and that doesn't mean it's not true. Not taking something literally doesn't mean it's not true. John was saying truly, he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, but he doesn't mean it literally. There's not a lamb standing on the on the shore. And I think everybody understands that intuitively. But when we come to books like Revelation or uh, other things, we 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 make this false dichotomy that if you're not taking it literally, then you're not taking it seriously. Well, you, if you're taking it literally, but the author didn't mean for you to take it at its face value, but meant for you to dig underneath it and find the truth underneath it, then you're not taking the Bible seriously. You're not taking the author the way he meant to be interpreted. Seriously. Yeah. And so it's or fairly, yeah. it's yeah, or, yeah. It's important to dig underneath and go, what is he saying? Because what he's saying is true, and but what he's saying is also timeless, and what he's saying is meant to be revealed. It's not like it's not something that's meant to be hidden. He's trying to tell you this, and trying to let everybody know, and so that all the church is illuminated, and not running around scared, and you know, fearful over what's happening, but. Are fully aware and understanding, and they're they're walking in truth. So the way we even approach Revelation has been, you know, it is often from a terrible perspective because we're like, oh, this is a cryptic yeah. book, if, and we've got to, yeah, whatever.
1: If you want to take it literal, you have Jesus with seven horns and seven eyes. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, we 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 have a bad enough problem of having kind of a you know a white hippie Jesus with guitar in pictures. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen a seven-eyed, seven-horned Jesus. Oh man, Google image. Just Google image.
0: There's there's some paintings we, we con- out there that you're like, what in the world? There's literally sword coming <laughs> we, out of the mouth.
1: To, we need to contest how literal some people's literal interpretations really are in the Book of Revelation. Well, yeah, and and then, but yeah,
0: yeah, especially in the Book of Revelation, if you if you go, well, you you're gonna take it literally. You're gonna take it literally as you possibly can. Well, then you you're the only one who gets to define when you go from literal to figurative because it's going to force you to go figurative at some point. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. where dragons come up out of the ocean and all this. And I've literally had people that have told me um, that, yes, I do believe an actual dragon is going to come up out of the sea. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, you you Mm -hmm. know, I I don't know what to tell you, but that's not what he's talking about. And – calling satan the dragon doesn't mean he's an actual dragon you know right and 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 so it just but then you go you get to another passage and they take it figuratively because they can't take it Mm -hmm. literally and so they're the only ones that get to define when that line is well now we take it figurative well now we take it literally well who Mm -hmm. the, the the dividing line is only in your own mind and you go to the next person, yep. and it's the dividing line somewhere else for him or her, and so, right? It just it's a it's a kind of interpretation of Revelation that it just you can't you can't really take very seriously.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've seen. So we you know we've been talking the last couple of weeks I think about this, and one of the ways that this this kind of literal interpretation takes shape in our day and age. In a really specific, narrow way, is that uh, there are rumors, there are there's a desire or there's a fear of trying to define the mark of the beast mm-hmm. that we find in Revelation yeah. 13. So you you hear people saying, most recently, I've seen emails from pastors asking uh, other other pastors and friends and fellowships, you know, has people have people in your church. Um, referred to the vaccine as the mark of the beast, and have they refused to take the vaccine because they believe the vaccine is that Revelation 13 governmental final request for allegiance to do what we say, and to accept it means to buy in to give in. Mm-hmm. There's been rumors about it being the you know UPC code kind of you know barcode on your arm. Uh, literal six 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 on your forehead, chip under the skin, on the top of your wrist. I mean, credit cards. There, there's all phones, kinds of
0: watches, face ID. Fo- yeah, phones. The thumb oh scanner man, you on know, the phone.
1: there's some. I'm not gonna say who it is that lives in my house, but she was afraid to, you know. For example, and there <laughs> there may be warrant for this. Like she didn't want to put her thumbprint on her phone for a while uh, because she didn't want to have her thumbprint out there, you know. And that, that's the world we live in, you know, security, privacy, um, and freedom of thought and speech. Those things are real confrontations to the Christian mm-hmm. uh, and, and the non-Christian, for that matter. You know, our, our testing of our freedom, the, the testing of, of boundaries and government authority and knowledge, those things are, are real. So I think that's important to say real quick, that any interpretation that we give about the mark of the beast isn't saying that, challenges to freedom or knowledge or personal privacy aren't real and that or aren't you know, important if you I mean of if, course they are or aren't important if if someone feels like the vaccine is a a, a heavy hand by the government i think it's a totally valid perspective calling it the mark and, and attaching it to revelation 13 would be a different thing right but we're we're, we're seeing that literal interpretation that there is a mark of the beast that the beast asks his followers to take on his right hand and forehead is it's like we're looking for it yeah it's like there's a culture and an interpretive world out there that we're just like we're we're freaking out like is that it is that it is that it i don't i don't want to get that i don't want to go there because that that might be the mark of the beast and i might be giving myself over right. uh to to satan's side and if it's not if it's not the vaccine it's going to be something else right and in, in a couple a couple months it'll be something else next year
0: um so this isn't but that, that this isn't i i just want to be clear are you saying that this yeah. isn't a vaccine advocacy podcast is that what you're saying Right now, yeah, I don't want to say. Cause the last thing I want to talk about you, is whether or not you should get the vaccine. You on this roped podcast. me in, bro. You roped <laughs> me in, and I was like, "All right, we're going to be doing vaccine advocacy," and then you're just throwing me a curveball here.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. Talk to your talk to your doctor. Talk to your spouse. Make a decision. Dude, Man, good grief. You know, it's fu- um, it's funny,
0: and just this is totally an aside, but I cannot stand. Being in the medical profession, I'm ready to get out of the medical profession. <laughs> <You>. <laughs> but, oh, bro, bro! But I am not a doctor. The
1: public policy, oh, yeah,
0: and the po- I, I didn't sign up to be. Oh, yeah, the policymaker. Oh I cannot stand. I, if there's anything that I can't stand, where I'm like, I want to teach and preach the Bible, and mm-hmm. I, I do not want to be your doctor. I do not want to be your yep. politician. I do not want to be any of that. You know. And it's so frustrating. Yeah. People are like, Well, what do you think about the vaccine? What do you think about the vaccine? and I'm like what does it matter what I think about it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like sorry, that's most totally an aside.
1: I but... feel like I'm I'm barely a decent pastor and I trained for that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even go to medical school, you know? <laughs> oh so, Yeah, I don't I don't know, man. So I think like the, the question is I, I really think the question it's just kind of resurfaced on vaccines, but there's just an underlying question that's been going on that I, I, I've, I've seen in multiple ways, films, conversations. What what is the mark? Should we be looking for it? And what is what is Revelation 13 actually saying? Yeah, I, I think that's a, the big question. And and I think underneath that is how does Revelation actually work? What's it actually doing? What is the book as a whole actually saying? So I'm preaching through Revelation right now. I'm just about to get into chapter six, which I think is that part of Revelation where people's uh, ears—people who want to know about the sensational and the freaky stuff—which there's there's plenty of freaky stuff in chapters four and five. Sure. At the around the throne room of God. Sure. But the the judgments, the the demons with tails like scorpions, all those things start to come out. Mm -hmm. The beast uh, comes into the conversation, and uh it it's the it's the part where places places get weird I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago um i don't remember who said it um i think it was the the journalist from london i don't remember his name now um but you know he said uh i i've seen a lot of wild things in the book of revelation but i've never seen so so many things as wild as one of john's commentators <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 the, the, the Amount of ideas and theories and perspectives on what revelation means is—it's is, crazy, right? Yeah. Uh, even within brothers who are in good fellowship and in agreement about so many things, the views can be can be vast. So, anything that we say about revelation, we certainly—let me let me speak for myself, because you may—I don't know—but I certainly don't pretend to <laughs> to say like I, I'm gonna I'm gonna nail it. And there's there should be no more questions when we're done here. Uh, that we're, we're we're adding into a conversation uh, a couple thousand years old about what what this book is saying and what it means. But you've taught Revelation, you've taught it three, like three times, yeah. and uh, this is my first time to actually teach through it and preach through it. So why don't you just share what how you know give your give your one or two minute version of what's what is revelation what's it what's it about what's
0: it doing? Yeah I think the most important thing and this is just again like when I you say I'm you're not ex, an expert and I don't think anybody really is but you mm-hmm. know I think going through it enough getting familiar with uh, Hebrew poetry, the Old Testament prophets and things like that, the more familiar you grow with them, the more uh, relaxed, your reading and interpretation of the Book of Revelation really is, I think, because you start to. What do you mean? What do you mean by relaxed? What do you mean? You, you start to pick up the language of the Old Testament prophets, and when you pick and up you the, feel, the
1: book, feels more comfortable. Yes, you.
0: yes. You okay. when you pick up the language, then when you read Revelation, it's not it's not reading like a foreign language, like a cryptic, futuristic, you know. Mm-hmm. Depiction, and it's much more like I see this around me right now, you know. And I've seen this, we've seen this in the past as I've read a history book, and I've and I have mm-hmm. a feeling we're going to see this in the future. There's rumors of this in the future that it becomes a book that is timeless and that is very familiar because it sounds it feels just like the Old Testament prophets. And I think that's part of the problem with the book of Revelation is that when we get to it. We have such a lack of familiarity of the Old Testament that when John makes these veiled references to obscure passages in the prophets, they sail right over our head. So I think what's really important to do um, is to take a step back to the beginning and realize that chapters 1, 2, and 3 set the stage for the rest of the book. And you have to remember that this whole book is a letter to these seven churches, the whole thing is, it doesn't stop at chapter th- after chapter three, and mm-hmm. most people, most pastors, will get to the end of chapter three, or potentially get to the end of chapter five, and they'll stop. They'll be like, "We're just going to do the first five chapters of the Book of Revelation." It's like because this is the only part that people can pretty much agree on, and and then we'll go to something else. <clears throat> but I think it's really important to remember this whole thing is a letter to these seven churches who are currently in the midst of intense and growing persecution. And the kind of persecution that they're undergoing is not just philosophical persecution like we might find in the United States where where they're being ridiculed for their mm-hmm. belief and things like that. This kind of persecution is governmental persecution where they're being told to basically sign on to participation in basically trade guilds, essentially like unions, like we would think of them as unions, that caused them to sign off on certain kind of doctrinal perspectives that um, would allow them to get a job and work and eat and feed their family. And so the kind of persecution that's that's ramping up in um, in, in in Asia Minor by this by this time right. is such that they're being asked to bow down to the perspectives of the government, governmental powers in order Mm. to feed their family, in order to eat. But it causes a compromise if they do that of the faith that they proclaim about Jesus. So, you know, it's, it's causing them to sign off on basically worship of the emperor um, over and against worship of Christ. And so some might be tempted to say, well, well, I really do worship Jesus. And in my heart, I believe that he's true. And I don't really believe this stuff that I'm signing off on. But I'm being asked to, and the only way I can feed my family is to do this. So the way I'll reconcile it is I'll sign off, but actually I'll be worshiping Christ. And the seven churches are being right. being warned, no, don't do it. And so the rest of the book is really explaining to them from different perspectives why you don't want to do that. Because in the end, Christ wins and Satan loses, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, so that's what you le- need to think.
1: Let me, of. Let, me inter- let me interject, so I think you just brought up a really good point that it's—so one, one of the, the better examples in the letters is I think it's the Church to Thyatira where they're being invited to uh, join into business guilds is the context— and Jesus is actually telling them You need to be careful about being invited into worship Because those guilds support local uh, temples of idolatry And you're going to be invited to I- idolatry festivals And idolatry financial support And I- idolatry fellowships So don't just think this is business, right? That it's it's interpreting their times to them with With a heavenly perspective So that interpretation... That, that interpretal, interpretation kind of struggle, it doesn't begin like in Revelation 13. It's it's back there in the letters. Exactly. And so that that kind of thinking about how Revelation works starts back there.
0: Right. And I think um, the Revelation 13, which is the main passage where we start talking about the mark of the beast, all of that connects back to the book of Daniel. And it's especially, mm-hmm. I think, it's when it comes to the... The beast itself, Daniel chapter 7. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's a lot of things in, in chapter 13 that are, I mean, you could spend, we could spend eight podcasts and not, and go through each sentence and still not cover it all. <laughs> I mean, because mm-hmm. there's so mm-hmm. much in terms of number of months and all this kind of stuff that's going on there that we don't even really yeah. want to get into. But there's, mm-hmm. you know, the I think what's helpful to understand is the term beast really is driven back to Daniel chapter 7, where you have that picture of these beasts around the th- around an empty throne. And mm-hmm. you've got all these beasts like war, warring and making war. And what you come to understand through the book of Daniel is that these beasts are representative of kingdoms and authorities. And so mm-hmm. that's helpful because when we talk about the mark of the beast, beast we have to identify what what is a beast (laughs) you know because Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't necessarily make sense and and really it's it's a what's obvious from the book of daniel is a governing authority of some kind and so you might think of governmental powers but i don't think it's only governmental powers i think it's also religious powers as well um the second beast Mm. seems to be seems to have a religious connotation to it um which is in Thir- Revelation thirteen, starting in verse eleven, you get this second beast, um, also referred later as the p- false prophet, and so it mm-hmm. seems to be that there's a religious connotation to this second beast that actually has some power of coercion, some sort of control, and the power mm-hmm. and coercion that it, it that it exerts is to cause the people in its assembly to worship the governmental powers and authorities mm-hmm. of the beast. Mm-hmm. And so, but you get this picture in Revelation 13 of this beast who has a mortal wound and yet seems to live. And if you go back to Daniel 7, you get this very, it seems kind of a strange picture until you get to Jesus. But there is, so there's an empty throne and there's a bunch of thrones and these beasts are ones more gnarly than the the one before it. And the one that's more gnarly comes up and conquers the one before it, and then there's another one that pops up and conquers that one, and then another one conquers that one, and you eventually get this big beast that's that's badder than all the rest of them, and um, and so he's you know uh, kind of gnashing his teeth, or he's he's making you know uh, he's boasting, I guess you'd say, and the mm-hmm. empty throne then is occupied by the Ancient of Days. So I think it's the picture of Mm -hmm. God, the father, he walks in, he sits down on the throne and all the rest of the beasts are silent, except for that one big, bad beast. And he is killed and thrown into the fire. Mm -hmm. And all the rest of the beasts, it says their dominion is taken away, but they're allowed to go on living. And I think that's really Mm -hmm. key to understanding what the world that we're living in their dominion is taken mm-hmm. away and they're allowed to go on living. And then that dominion is fashioned into a crown, so to speak, and put on the head of the one, like the son of man who comes riding on the clouds. And, mm-hmm. um, so the dominion of the beast is given to this Christ figure who in Matthew 26, uh, 64 tells us that's him. And, um, the dominion of the beast is put on his head and he's given dominion and that dominion is never going to be taken away. But these other beasts are allowed to go on living. So they've been kind of given this mortal wound, but they've sort of walked around as though healed as though they're, they're Mm. better. And they, they are representing themselves to the world as sort of this Christ figure, just like Christ was killed, but then he was resurrected. This govern these governmental powers and authorities they don't actually have eternal everlasting authority but they present themselves like they do and so john in revelation is telling the seven churches you're when you sign off or you're bowing down to these little guilds and things like that so that you can work you need to understand the people that are exerting authority over you they don't actually have eternal everlasting authority like you want them to, they want you to think that they do christ is the mm-hmm. one that has eternal authority so I think it's really important mm-hmm. just to understand what a beast is, you know. Right. Does that that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah, because it's kind of so, you know, uh, I was telling you this morning that I spent pretty much all of Tuesday trying to make up my own kind of final understanding of Revelation 6 through 20 and the cycles of judgments. And what I see is a, re- a repeated view of history so I, I want to say it's Jim Hamilton that calls it a recursive uh, views of history so it's looking at history from Christ's ascension to his resurrection like this in chapter 6 and then like this in chapter 8 and then like this in chapter 13 so that we're, we're really looking at the same time period of history in chapter 13 with the Beast and the mark as we are other time periods uh, as we are other chapters it's the same span of time but it's telling us something different. It's telling us something. It's expanding the knowledge, expanding the intensity, expanding the reach of God's judgment in each of those each of those narratives of revealed revealed views of history. So, yeah, I think what you're what you're saying is helpful. That it this is describing for us the situation that Christians are in from the time period of Christ's uh, ascension. To the time of his return, and once you understand that fundamentally, it makes make kind of everything from chapter six through twenty more uh, or easily accessible and practical to my my Christian walk and my my daily experience. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I think that's helpful, and I and I think I'm I meant to say kind of the same thing you just said, just kind of add to it a bit. That that's kind of what Revelation's doing, and that's what Revelation 13 is doing in particular is giving you your your two options for worship in the world um, and that that's what's going on around you. Uh, so I think that's good. And and I think it's I, I think it's helpful just to say that the and we kind of mentioned this already in short but you know when it comes down to interpreting what is the mark you know the this has been so helpful to me to think through as I read Revelation and it really helps me interpret the book as a whole is that the, the word apocalypto, the, the word for the book, means reveal. These things are being revealed so that you can know how to live. These things are being revealed so that you can know how to have enduring faith in Jesus Christ. These things are not kind of 60% revealed and 40% you've got to figure it out. And I think that's the position a lot of people are in. They get to Revelation 13, they they read the Mark of the Beast, and there really is, often by that point, a conditioned interpretation that comes from movies, books, history, warning, you know, homeless guy signs, you know, whatever, that makes me think about Revelation a certain way. So when I get there, I think the Mark must be a mark, it must be like a thing, it must be a, a literal thing, and what happens is we end up undoing the whole purpose of the book of Revelation, instead of revealing... We find out that, th- that there's a little bit of a revelation that there's going to be a mark, but just enough to keep it veiled. You know, just enough that you don't know what it is. And we're kind of on the edge of our seat, and there's kind of this this tense anxiety about what is the mark, and where is the mark, and is the vaccine the mark, is the chip the mark, is the credit card the mark, what's the mark? and And we're kind of, it's like we're in this... This relationship of frustration that God didn't tell us what the mark was, and now we're all trying to figure out, and we're running around crazy trying to make sure we don't take the mark, and I'm like, Revelation, the book is doing the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. It's actually doing the revealing that is supposed to give us knowledge so that we're not running around like chickens with our heads cut off. We're we're actually firm in our faith. We're, We're immovable in our relationship with Christ, both in our spirit and our reaction to the governments of the world or any kind of oppression or any kind of invitation to worship. We're actually steadfast. And that and, and I think once you just put those things together you you come and you realize that the mark of the beast it, it's not it's not a chip. It's not a vaccine. It's not something you're ever going to touch, feel or see. Mm-hmm. It's it's a heart position. Mm-hmm. It's a faith and allegiance toward the beast, yeah. toward satanic worship. Yeah. And sometimes that can be veiled in that you're, you're trapped in pornography. You're trapped in—you've given yourself to nationalism, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you mentioned this this morning, and we were talking as I was on the way to the office, that if your church service has more to do with America— than it does with the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Your your church might have the mark of the beast. Yeah, yeah. Your your church service is marked by the beast.
0: Being led to take uh, it. I, 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 sure. I, I, yeah. Right,
1: and I'm not even trying to say that. Uh, I'm not even trying to say America is the beast. That's not what I'm saying. But worship, although to America is a beast. <laughs> By uh, definition, America is a beast. Yeah. I for mean, so- have you seen the warthog plane? You know, it's got teeth. <laughs> oh, <geez>. It's The, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, you know, any worship outside of Christ for protection, provision, for safety, for salvation, for identity, for, uh, e- eternal hope, mm-hmm. future hope, that, that's what it's getting at in Revelation 13 that you've chosen something else someone else to you know to feed you. Hey, yeah. cuz listen, you don't take this mark, you don't eat.
0: Yeah. I think it's impor- you, you don't
1: take this mark, you can't go to the hospital.
0: Yeah, go ahead. I think it's important to to kind of talk about how we got there because mm-hmm. and I, and I think it's really important if anybody would be hearing this to put your eyes on Revelation 13, to actually read it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when you do really isolate what's going on here like what what is the big concern the overriding concern and I think you see it in if you kind of block out a lot of the you know the timeline stuff the months and the the, that kind of thing and just kind of go okay I'm not focusing on that right now but what's the Mm -hmm. big concern what's the driving concern and he says in verse 7 it was allowed to make war on the saints and conquer them and authority was given over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. So the concern of that, of the chapter, mm. is that everyone on earth, every single person on earth who is not and does not have their name written in the book of life of the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world that everyone who is not a christian then in the truest sense of the word will worship the beast okay mm-hmm. and then if you go down just 6 just 8 verses later to verse 16 um, he says this is of the of the second beast or the false prophet also it causes all both, great, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slaved, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. So depending on how literally you want to take this, if you're saying, well, this is actually a mark, this is a brand of some kind that I'm going to receive on my my." arm or forehead like a vaccine or like a chip or something like that then mm-hmm. the mark has to be a name it's not uh, uh mm-hmm. or the number of its name so it it has to it's not obviously then that would rule that out uh, right but that's not what mm-hmm. he's even talking about and so he, mm-hmm. he the same thing he's talking about in eight all who dwell on the earth worshiping it is the same thing he's talking about in 16 all mm-hmm. take the mark of the beast. Every single person that dwells on the earth is going to worship right. the image of the beast, and right. and this is I think that's so important. Yes.
1: This is not something that a few maybe Christians, a few maybe non Christians, a few Americans might. I mean, I mean, just that's just a whole other aside. I mean, this is such an American thing, where we typically this happens in an America, these looking for the mark is looking for an American mark, yeah. the American government to do something, and not a global event, not a global effect. That, and that, maybe that's not fair of everyone's view of the mark of the beast, but how I've heard it most often in my experience has been things that are going to happen to us in America. Right. And you're saying, no, 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 no. The, the whole chapter is talking about everyone in the world right, who's not a Christian is going to to do this? Who has Everyone ever lived and who will
0: them. ever live? Right, and that's I think. Right. And so look at if you look at one verse prior to that, verse fifteen, he says it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Back up to verse seven, it was allowed to make war on the saints and conquer them.
1: Mm. Down
0: to verse fifteen caused them who would not worship the beast to be slain causes them to be mm-hmm. marked and so like the the whole thing is concerning the actual worship the bowing your heart down to the beast mm-hmm. and giving yourself over to it and i think you know mm-hmm. i think this also we get into an issue here particularly in america i think if we read this chapter and we explained it this way in say iran or to some, mm-hmm. you know, Iranian Christians, let's say, or you mm-hmm. know, maybe North Korean Christians, or something. I think mm-hmm. they would go totally get you. I'm with you. I'm on board. But I think in America mm-hmm. there is a spirit about us that I'm not necessarily saying is all bad, where mm-hmm. freedom is it freedom from government rule uh, and intervention and and you know kind of authority is is tantamount to the Christian life like this is the way Christ intended it does that, that make sense right and right. so yeah yeah i see where you're so going. anytime there is a government saying okay people you've got to do this that is seen mm-hmm. that is equated to taking the mark of the beast or or bowing down your heart in worship. And mm-hmm. and it's cuz you're submitting to their authority. But that's obviously mm-hmm. not the scriptural intention of it because Paul tells us to submit to governing authorities and the governing authorities he's talking about submitting to have are infinitely worse than anything America has mm-hmm. ever done. Um mm-hmm. and 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 so, you know, I'm I'm talking mass murder of Christians and uh, all kinds of other things. But he's talking about bowing, bowing to <laughs> submitting to their authority, their rule uh, because God's mm-hmm. given them authority. So, um, but we see authoritarianism or we see any exercising of authority from the government and us submitting to that authority as tantamount to bowing down our hearts and worship. And there is a line between those two. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. that it can't sometimes be blurred or that it can't be confused, uh, but mm. I think— Or synonymous. Or, or synonymous, but I think yeah. it, it's often—oftentimes it's it, oftentimes it's immediate. We see, oh, the government is trying to tell us what to do. Well, that's bowing down to the beast if I give in to that thing. And it may even be something right. that you had been inclined to do to begin with, but once the government said to do it, it became
1: one of those things <laughs> you don't do. <laughs> because
0: If I, if I was going to do it because my doctor said it, totally fine right
1: but when the government tells me now it's the mark of the beast yeah i mean you know come on and
0: it's and it's difficult <laughs> here it puts us in an awkward position because believe it or not i'm not advocating for everyone taking a vaccine i'm not even advocating for the government doing yeah. this and to be to be quite yeah. honest if i was to pull back the curtain a little bit i am against government intervention in health related matters you know um mm-hmm you know in, in at least in 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 terms of vaccines and stuff to like to a degree that. do what yeah to a degree to, I mean, to a degree i yeah, mean yeah i'm tracking yeah yeah i mean the, obviously there's going to have to be a discussion about all kinds of different situations and circumstances and things like that sure. and I, and so like as far as the way that i vote or the way that i think politically you know i'm yeah we're from texas you know, we, we believe in, yeah. in freedom, you know, and, and... I mean, you're in Alabama, but never mind. I said we're We are both from I Texas. I said we're from.
1: Yes, we're from. <laughs> good grief. Uh, no one's taking your Texas card, okay, man? You're fine. You're safe.
0: You're good. They did. They did in Alabama. You know you can't have two driver's licenses even if one is expired. <laughs> I, the
1: day... Do you, do you ever still just give your Texas driver's license just to see what happens? I do have if it expired, anymore. Nathan... Oh man! They okay. literally,
0: I got. Oh, this was, <laughs> took this is this is a totally an aside, but I I got my driver's license in Alabama. This is years ago, and I handed my Texas driver's license over to them, and she put this little hole punch on it and stamped void right through it. Oh. And I felt like the shackles, oh. the shackles of of bondage just wrapped oh. themselves around my wrist as I oh. talk about oh. taking the mark. She's she's just, just, t- just kidding. Wow <laughs> It was it was wow. a rough day, I've you I've know? never
1: heard this is the first time I've ever heard this story. <laughs> I'm truly speechless. <laughs> I am truly at a loss for words.
0: Uh, oh. They might have told they might as well have told oh, me you'll never get brisket again. Yes, Say goodbye to Tex Mex. <laughs> exactly. Why don't you
1: just spit on the Texas flag yeah. and you know stomp it with your boot? You know. I mean, yeah. Oh my goodness. So back. So back anyway, on So the beast. The, mar- the mark. <laughs> uh, the the driver's license of the beast. That's what we're talking about. Um, I think the
0: irony here that we're dealing with is we in our pursuit of trying to understand what the mark of the beast is, and our concern with taking it and i think we all kind of have that that we share that concern that we will try to avoid all these things that are not the mark of the beast inherently that have nothing to do with our worship of governmental powers and authorities or whatever and then we'll go to a church service where there's an american flag up at the front of the uh, the front of the sanctuary or the worship center or whatever and we'll sing, uh, the, even sing like patriotic songs that have nothing to do with Jesus, and or veil a veiled "God Bless America," something every pagan could sing, you know. And we'll focus on all of that, and and we'll. We'll hear sermons related to this is why America is going to, you know, down the tubes and because this politician and that politician. And we'll hear these sermons that rail against politicians. And this is on both sides of the aisle. You know, we, we, there's Democratic churches that do this, there's Republican churches that do this, where they, they, they ridicule the other side of the aisle from the pulpit. And we'll participate in those worship services and we'll be like, yeah, Jesus was really worshiped there. He wasn't, he wasn't at all there was no extolling the name of jesus there was no there was no in you know talking about the relationship between the christian and the political world and saying this is the the political world is a beast that does not have enduring authority that jesus is the one that has enduring authority give your worship to him and f- all this stuff that's going on in washington or your state or your city or whatever the those things are are they pale by comparison to the glory that is to be revealed to us when He returns, and so we should extol the name of Jesus. Um, and there's none of that going on. It, it's a it's a over it's a glorified worship service to America in some form or fashion by either praising the the person that's currently in office or railing against the person that's currently in office and talking, spending most of your time talking about the flag. That is taking that is the mark of the beast. And and that is that is worshiping the the beast. That is by definition the worship of the beast. And and we go we leave that and we and then we go rail against the government, telling us to whatever do do this or do that. And we say, well, that's mm-hmm. the mark over there. No, you just participated in the mark. Like mm-hmm. that, that that's it right there. Yeah, it's and I think worship. there might
1: be temptation for someone to go like, oh, so you're saying the the American flag and the worship service is the mark of the beast. And it's like you, you. There's a tendency to want to turn it into artifacts, turning it into something physical that you can move and that you can rearrange and that you can avoid, right? Um, but there's an actual, there's a, a heart devotion, there's an allegiance in your life and your worship that is a, a underneath it all, right? So whether you're doing that in your church service or not, as you're, regardless, you can you can be doing that. Any any time. I mean, certainly that's one expression of a kind of nationalistic idolatry that opposes Christ, um, that is a a, 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 an enjoyment, a pleasure, a service to a a kingdom outside of the kingdom of Jesus Christ on earth forever. Um, So I think that's I think it's just a really helpful example of how how the worship of the beast works, and that could be applied to any context in in any nation in any time between um Christ's ascension and his and his return yeah and and
0: and, and to even put a put a like a twist on it that might even be more, make make it more complicated is that you could potentially see America's best policies as being as protecting its borders and, you know, honoring the rule of law and doing these mm-hmm. sorts of things. You could potentially see that as a priority that America should pursue mm-hmm. and maybe even vote that way mm-hmm. and still not have anything to do with worshiping the beast, right? Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's spe- it's specifically honing in on those times where you're giving your allegiance over and against Christ to... Governmental powers and authorities, yeah. um, and and so so it, it's but it but you could also you could go to the two people could go to the voting booth, and vote the exact same way, and mm-hmm. one be worshiping the beast and one not, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It's it's yeah, it's yeah,
1: exactly. I think it's helpful. Yeah. So uh, something I would bring up too, I think one of the helpful things you did earlier was just say put your eyes on Revelation 13 and uh i'm doing uh simeon trust principles with some guys on on wednesdays and we were just talking yesterday about structure and the structure of a text and and what it can reveal and i think revelation 13 is a great example where the the structure reveals an emphasis so every text has a structure the structure reveals the emphasis if you're a preacher the emphasis is basically the the point of your sermon and we see the first beast and then the second beast in revelation 13 so 1 through 10 first beast and then 11 through 18 second beast both of those explanations have the same structure uh so it's here's the beast here's his ministry if you will here's his conquering here's how bad he is and then there's another section that mentions what it's going to be like for the Christians or anyone who opposes them, and then there is an explanation or there's a call for how Christians ought to respond to that. So with the first beast in chapter 9, it quotes Isaiah and a couple other passages kind of blended together, I think, that, you know, the first beast is, is coming and everyone's going to worship. So what do you, what should you think about that? Well, here's what you should think, just like Isaiah— if anyone's to be taken captive, he's going to go to captivity. If anyone's to be slain with the sword, with the sword, he's going to be he's going to be slain. And this is going to be the cost that Christians are going to pay, right? And the additional comment by John, his, his authorship, is here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints, mm-hmm. right? So you see that structure. The beast is going to come, demand worship. Some people are going to be taken away to captivity. If you go to captivity, to captivity you go and that is God's plan that's God's God permitting and allowing these things the call for you is to endure and have faith and the second beast is the same structure he's coming he's going to have power he's going to be believed he's going to be worshiped he's going to demand people take the mark and it's going to mean that you can't you can't eat you can't sell in the name unless you're doing it in the name of the beast that's how bad it's going to be so you see that same you know, structure, here he comes, he's going to do this, this is how bad it's going to be, what it's going to cost you. And then there's an explanative uh, statement in at the end in verse 18, and it's this, this calls for wisdom, Sophia. Yeah. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, it's the number of a man, and his number is 666. In other words, yeah. take take this and realize you're going to need wisdom. Not the kind of wisdom that runs around saying, oh my gosh, let's figure out what the mark is. Let's figure out if it's the vaccine or credit cards or not. The kind of wisdom that understands this is a worship yes. to the beast. Yes. And this is faithfulness to Jesus Christ. Yes. So whether it's a gay wedding or pornography or government nationalism or what whatever it is, what you need is wisdom to know that's not just an earthly participation in some earthly events that's worship yes and this over here is in fact worship to Jesus Christ and faithfulness to him so the whole chapter is saying you need to endure you need to have faith and you need wisdom uh, mm-hmm. in order to face the beast, bo- both of them and, and their ministries. And I think yeah. once you boil it down, that that's the application. The application yep. is not sit on the edge of your seat and pray and hope God lets you n- discover and have a future additional revelation to what the mark is. Right. But that this is the revelation and what you need is endurance, faith, and wisdom. Now that I mean that's so freeing to me. Yes. So that good. actually helps me Rather than I read Revelation thirteen, and now I'm in, I'm kind of tied in fits and knots spiritually, and I'm more confused now, and, and I don't know what's going on. This is this means I actually do know what's going on. It has been revealed, and God's asking me to endure, have faith, and, and pray for wisdom. I think and all those.
0: Everything you said is spot on. Like I, I yes, I would echo and amen. And then to me, the beauty of this passage is actually in the next chapter because in this chapter in 13 you get you what you just read that the beast is going to make war and exercise authority and conquer um the people the saints and kill kill them put them to death I mean like that's what the that's what beasts historically have done that's what they're progressively going to get worse or they're going to do and then and so then they the result is that John says so if anyone is taken is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword he must be slain. It calls for endurance and faith of the saints. And you're like, what in the world? I mean, we're just supposed to take it. We're just supposed to be persecuted. We're just supposed to be killed. And the beauty, I think, then he gets to in 14 is is something that's very close to 13. He says, Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him 144,000, Who had, uh uh-oh, his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. Oh, this is a different crowd. Not the ones who have the mark of the beast name written on its forehead or its arm. But now this is the mark of Christ and the mark of God on their foreheads. What's going to happen to them? And what is it that they do? He says, I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters, like the sound of loud thunder. The voice that I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. It is these who have not defiled themselves with women for they are virgins. He's describing an army, by the way. This is like the parallels, of the army. And what does the army do? It It is these who follow the lamb wherever he goes. He's their general. He's giving them their marching orders. They're following him Wherever he goes, these have been redeemed from mankind as first fruits for God and the Lamb. And in their mouth, no lie was found, for they are blameless. So you've got this picture, the opposite of what we just saw with the second beast of these people getting the mark and bowing down and worshiping the beast. Here are people who have been marked by Christ who follow him wherever he goes. And where did he go? Well, he was taken captive, and to captivity he went. He didn't fight. He told Peter to lay down his sword. He went to the cross and was pierced with the the nails. And what does he expect of the people that follow after him? That even if it means that they're going to kill you, follow after me. In fact, he tells his disciples that in, in the Gospels. Anyone who would come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And that's exactly what the army of Christ, the people who are marked by him on their foreheads, that's exactly what they do. They right. follow after Amen. Christ wherever He goes.
1: Yeah, so it's so good, and the 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 rest of chapter fourteen just keeps it going even further. That the the smoke of the torment of those who uh, of those beasts and who have taken the mark is going to go up day and night forever. It's part of the problem those with who
0: Revelation who... is that one section leads into the next <laughs> section, which leads into yeah, the next section, which leads into the next.
1: It's like this one, this one long sentence from Revelation 6 to 20. Yeah. Uh, once one, it's part one of the hard thought. part
0: about reading Paul or stopping, yeah. it's yeah. always the <laughs> problem with like preaching from a book that Paul wrote. Yeah. Is like, where do you stop? Well, each yeah. sentence like bleeds into the next yeah. one, and you're like, well, we're just gonna have to stop because yeah. you know, but, but I, just it, think I think it's just beautiful. Was,
1: yeah, it's helpful because it's and Revelation is doing that over and over. This is this is the end if you are following this way. This is the end if you are following this way. And something that I found that I I saw this week that became clear for me for the first time on Tuesday going through the structure was that I I see, and I'm convinced there there's seven cycles of judgment and redemption from Revelation 6 through uh, 20 and 21. And at the, and inside those seven there are, it's kind of like seven sevens, if you will. And, and kind of like, and this is a good example, you, you have kind of six judgments and struggles, but then there's always between the sixth and the seventh uh, in each of those cycles. There's a mention. Sometimes it's just a verse. Sometimes it's just one verse. Sometimes it's paragraphs. But there's a mention. So, for example, between the sixth and seventh seal, between the sixth and seventh bowl, between the sixth and seventh trumpet, there's a mention about the security or the blessing of the saints. And it's always comparing. It's always comparing. This is the way of the beast. This is the way of Satan. This is the way of sinners. This is the way of those who are forgiven and redeemed by the slain lamb. Blessed are those. Blessed are the saints. Uh, blessed are those who conquer. And re- and so I think Revelation just becomes unconfusing and, and and less weird and like you were talking about reading through the prophets it becomes uh, it, it becomes less strange it's a, it's a language that I can that I can speak that i that I understand uh and is and is more familiar so I, I just think that's i walking through revelation 13 and 14 like that I think it's really helpful for you to bring up that it's not just calling us to endurance it's actually giving us this big grand picture of security uh in Christ giving something beautiful to champion and giving us a a bigger, more beautiful, heavenly colored flag to wave and and enjoy and be, be proud of, if you can say it that way. But find my, my my identity in that and uh and rejoice and you know, kinda like I remember uh Piper talking about Luke chapter nine when Jesus takes us to you know ask us to follow our take up our cross and follow him. And Jesus never teaches ultimate self-denial. That's what Buddhists do, right? Uh, Matthew 13 is a great example. Jesus doesn't teach ultimate self-denial. He teaches the denial of the world and its institutions, yeah. the yeah. denial of the world and its pleasures, so that you can take, go, go sell everything you own, go buy that field so you can have the pearl of great price. For it yeah. Leave off every security, every hope, every provision, every comfort that the world offers you if it means you have to trade that for the security the provision the hope the comfort that Christ offers
0: that's yeah. what revelation 13 14 are driving home it's pursue lasting joy pursue ultimate comfort mm-hmm. pursue mm-hmm. and it, so it's at, it's telling you to pursue so if you think about all, like just the the beauty of what's going on on a sunday morning I don't care if it's in China where you can't you have to whisper singing, you can't sing with instruments or you'll get arrested or or maybe North Korea where you have to just with your just your family or something like that mm-hmm. sign to you know, like, worship or something yeah, 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 in like a in like a heavily persecuted country or in America where you can, you know, sing freely and and things like that. I mean, I don't care where it is, anywhere in between. Just think of the beauty of what's happening as you're surrounded by saints who are saying the mark of Christ is on our forehead. We are following him wherever he goes. And we're reminded week after week with the preaching of the word, when we sing the word, when we pray the word together, when we uh, read the word together, when we hear the gospel reiterated to us over and over and over and over again, we're mm-hmm. reminded with the rest of the saints that are gathered around us, whoever they may be, that mm-hmm. we are together in that we have taken the mark of Christ on our foreheads and mm-hmm. we are part of his army and we are following him wherever he goes. And if that means we're going to death, then that means we're going to death. If that mm-hmm. means that we're going to evangelize, then that's where we're going. If that means we're going, whatever he presents before us, we're going to follow it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. That's a beautiful it, picture of worship of Christian worship. And it worship.
1: is and, and it's humbling that you know the the idea that w- what we typically interpret the mark of the beast as is not nearly as costly as what Revelation 13 is actually depicting. know, yeah. Revelation 13 is are you going to get the vaccine? Are you going to get the 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 bar code or whatever? Well, if so what if if that interpretation of Revelation 13 were so then the, the the problem is you have to you have to you have to go ahead and say that the, the answer is you're going to be taken captive you're going to be slain with the sword you are not going to be able to buy sell or trade because you haven't taken the mark of the beast and most of the time, that I've heard anything close to calling something the mark of the beast. That's not on the other side of it. Now there is you know, like we said at the very beginning of this podcast, there's some validity to the fact that people are people have some valid concerns that the the overreach of the application of the vaccine mandate is you can't travel. You can't do all of these things. And that sounds like Revelation thirteen, right? You you can't you can't do things. You can't you can't go into a business. You can't get on a plane. You can't you're stuck, right? So it's not like it's just a totally unthinkable, you know, correlation, right? It there's some things there that make sense, but you have to you have to be prepared to say that's the kind of cost that's going to be be paid by doing that, because that's what Revelation 13 is really talking about, yeah. and Christ is worth it. So, yeah, man, thanks for the conversation. I, I think it's been helpful for me, not just yeah. this conversation, but the last two last two weeks of hours. So I, I, I think we should say, I, I think we should go ahead and say, we actually tried to record this podcast last week.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And after like an hour and 45 minutes, we realized, yeah, we need to redo this. <laughs> yeah, so. Hey, ev- um, every power hitter helpful. has a foul ball
0: or two, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was a foul ball.
1: Yeah, Michael Michael Jordan remembers exactly how many fourth quarter game winners, he missed. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so we we had one last week, no big deal. Uh, But I'm thankful for the conversation. Like I said, it's been, I think it's gonna be helpful to me just preaching through Revelation, uh, much less just encouraging to me as a Christian. So I'm grateful.
0: Absolutely, me too, me too. Awesome, see you next week. See you. for listening to the fire and bones podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider subscribing or following the show on your favorite listening platform. So you can be notified every time a new episode is released, consider leaving us a generous review. If that's an option for you. And most importantly, share this podcast with someone that you think might benefit from it. Be sure to check the show notes for any relevant links, including our contact information. Feel free to reach out to us with any questions you might have. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on the fire and bones podcast. Thank you